Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to an emergency edition of Spring Ball Boulevard. I apologize for the quality. I'm on the road. We had to come on, scramble last minute with some breaking news. We have Mike Mitchell of XFL News Hub. Mike, a crazy development coming out of the XFL tonight. The Vegas Vipers are expected to part ways with head coach Rod Woodson pending official announcement from the league office. So let's jump right into it. Your instant reaction here. This is literally less than an hour after we both found out the news. What comes to mind immediately when thinking about the short career of Rod Woodson with the XFL? Oh, well, thanks for having me on, Maddie. I appreciate it. And this is a huge story, obviously. Um, I've heard rumblings the last few weeks since the season, before the season even officially ended in the championship game, that there would be some changes uh, to coaching staffs and uh, to individual teams. Um, so I'm not shocked that Rod Woodson is out. It's I heard that there was a lot of people within the league that soured on him as a personality, as an individual. Things obviously didn't work out very well in Vegas. They were competitive a little bit towards the end of the season after some quarterback changes. But, um, you know, two and eight is two and eight. Uh, they had issues with their offensive staff. Rod was, you know, very much, you know, we saw this in within the league. Anthony Beck did a wonderful job with St. Louis. But we saw the aspect of these uh, players turned coaches who didn't have a lot of experience in that big chair uh, struggling with that role. And, uh, you know, we saw that with Buckley. His team played better towards the end of the season, but they were one and nine. And then we saw that obviously with Rod Woodson. And you got the sense watching the games because of the all uh, all access that we get uh, in the XFL through Disney, ESPN, that uh, Rod felt like a player, uh, a former player as acting as a head coach more than a guy who's been a head coach. He, he definitely had a player's mentality. You can hear how he communicated with his players on the sidelines. You saw that with Terrell Buckley as well. And uh, you saw how Rod also communicated with the officials. There was a couple of hairy moments with him um, uh, during games. I can remember a Houston game specifically where he was uh, critiquing one of the officials, a female official, for uh, not having played the game before, uh, that kind of deal. So there was some stuff there that I heard from the league office and the people close to the team that the league wasn't too happy with his performance overall. And so this is huge. You know, this is what happens in pro football leagues during off seasons. We see this all the time. Uh, coaching changes are made. And the spring football is pretty funny in that, you know, sometimes usually uh, these leagues will, will skirt it in such a way where it kind of like alleviates the whole aspect of firing someone. You know, you'll see the, you know, um, you know, they'll say they agree to part ways. There's a certain terminology and language that's used, uh, personal matters, per family reasons, uh, leaving, et cetera, et cetera. We saw that like even in the USFL, a lot of their Kirby Wilson type coaches, you know, who, you know, got a graceful exit, so to speak, rather than really when they should have been fired. Um, <laughs> it should have been a graceful exit several months after the fact. So anyway, that's another topic for another universe. But um, Rod Woodson, I'm not surprised. You know, the big thing that's coming in hot, and I usually don't like getting into this stuff, Maddie, and I know you and I have communicated a lot behind the scenes, and there's a lot of stuff that goes on off the record, stuff that we can't really go live with. And I don't like delving into this, but there's some smoke building in terms of Vegas in overall. And I think the heat seeker in all this, and I think this might make some XFL fans happy, is the possibility 
of not only Rod Woodson being out, but Vegas being out. And so I, you know, that is, you know, I get uh, goosebumps thinking about that, just saying that out loud, because honestly, uh, Vegas was the weakest point of the league. It was the biggest L for the XFL and made them look minor league, Bush league. It held up ticket sales. Um, there was a lot of different things about Vegas. It was just not a good look. They tried at Cashman. They had actually, I'm surprised they had 6,000 fans or whatever the average was. And I give credit to the fans who did come out to the games. But that market itself did not support the league. The media gave it very poor coverage. So the possibility that Vegas could be out, and there have been people, sources within the league who work in the league who have reached out to me and have asked me to dive into this matter further to see if there's any information developing because it's a developing thing where there has been talk of Vegas being out. I'm all for it. Um, you got my vote. So um, I like the brand name. I, I, I understood the initial idea of going into that market, but um, if it were me, I would just take the L and move on, go to a market that will embrace the league the way DC embraced the defenders. No surprise there. We knew that from 2020, the way St. Louis embraced uh, the battle Hawks. No surprise there again. Mm -hmm. So I'd like, I don't care where they go. And I know rock teased a few weeks back, Dwayne Johnson, that is teased uh, the possibility of Hawaii. I'm not saying Hawaii is going to happen, but you know, in the future XFL expansion, you know, he would like to be there. Um, so we'll see what happens, but whatever they do, I think everyone would be happy if that's the case. Um, no disrespect. I know the Vipers have some hardcore fans out there that love the league and we're happy. Bang gang. <laughs> yeah. Bang gang. But I honestly, so if they come back for a second year, because that's what I've heard during the season, like there's some remorse there because the way things turned out, a legion didn't work out because Mark Davis blocked the league from getting into that city. And then it, it led to a lot of bad things for the league. They looked at Bishop Gorman, other venues. They had to settle for Cashman. It was at the last second. The schedules were released late. Ticket sales were late. Um, so I don't, you know, the Vegas sales team was let go, which you would think when initially when I heard that, you would think, oh, well, that's a hint, you know, maybe Vegas is out. But, you know, we know, you know, because the league did not meet their revenue markers, I mean, they were profitable in certain aspects. They did well with sponsorships. They sold over 600,000 tickets. Um, they had good ratings. They were the number two rated program on ESPN2, number two rated program on FX. Uh, whatever it was, 1.4 million viewers for their championship game. So they did respectably, considering that they had a very light network schedule. I mean, they had five of their, whatever it was, seven ABC games that averaged over a million viewers. So I think the average for the season would have been higher if they weren't on FX, that if they didn't have these strange time slots. So it's an interesting point uh, right now, Maddie, for the league. Year two is crucial. We've seen the Forbes article where they're talking about 2027, having money earmarked from season one through four um, already. So and we know that they're trying to be, I wouldn't say frugal, but they're trying to be financially responsible because, you know, whenever it comes to a professional football league, it's a very costly proposition. It costs tens of millions of dollars to operate. So I know I'm covering a lot of ground here all over the place because my mind is working 100 miles per hour. But uh, there's just so much that's going on. There's so much to unfold with this. And I, I don't think it's a bad thing. Uh, you know, I respect Rod Woodson greatly as a player. But, um, you know, if it were up to me, I would have fired him. Yeah, we think about this is a boulder that will probably begin to roll down the mountain now. We think about things uh, like last NFL season, Rod Woodson makes an appearance on the Pat McAfee show to talk about being hired as an XFL head coach. At that point, he had been announced to Vegas. 
kind of teasing the uniforms and building the hype. I remember him talking about, we have the coolest uniforms in the league. We're excited to get out to Vegas. They debut the uniform. It's that really sleek, cool looking black and red. I'm getting excited. I'm like, this could work. Then you hear about Cashman Field and you lose a little bit of momentum. From there, the team doesn't really perform right off the bat. They had a an insane week one where they actually let Arlington come back and win. But I think from, from a Rod Woodson perspective, obviously we saw the unraveling during the season, many outbursts towards on-field officials. Uh, the press conferences that I attended were not necessarily pretty. Um, and I've heard some things, obviously, that happened in the locker room as well. But it's it's really tough. I think if if we would have set the odds at the beginning of the XFL 2023 season, will all eight coaches make it to year two? I think yes would have been about plus 1,000. I mean, nobody expected that everybody was going to survive. In fact, Mike, you wrote in an article, it, 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 I hate to say it, but someone's got to suck. When you have a team with eight leagues or eight teams, someone is just going to be bad and usually one in each division, right? Which we saw yeah. with Vegas. It's math. It's math. Somebody, you know, I hate to use a wrestling term. You got the rock in this league. Someone has to do the job. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's math. Even it's not mathematically possible for every team to have a winning record. The best you can do. I know we went through a lot of math during the season, you and I with all the tiebreakers and everything else. It's not mathematically possible for every team. And the, the best you can do is have every single team go five and five somebody's got to be three and seven. Somebody's got to be two and eight, one and nine. I mean, even if you took the eight best NFL teams and put them in one separate league, somebody's going to have losing records. I don't care who it is. You could put the Maybe the Chiefs and Eagles, will, you know, still do what they do. But, you know, maybe a Vikings or what have you, one of these playoff teams, maybe finish uh, three and seven in a 10 game season in these leagues. So it's just part of the math there. But and, you know, like when you look at the overall records, like a two and eight, one and nine with Orlando, Orlando, you know, they were an embarrassment early on. I was very hard on them, but they played very hard, you know, at the end of the season. They were, in, I know they gave up 50 points to St. Louis. So it is what it is with beat that. DC, though. Were, I mean, that was huge. Yeah. They beat DC and they were competitive. They were feisty. They were in there. They didn't quit. That could have been a worse. I know one and nine sounds awful. That could have been a worse off situation by seasons than with a bunch of players quitting. I think the win bonus aspect kind of helps these leagues because. Uh, especially the XFL that, you know, utilizes heavily. We saw DC bragging about being the richest team in the league in their press conference when they hoisted the North uh, Division trophy. So, but um, yeah, these, you know, these leagues, you're guaranteed to have a few teams. So I think it's the, I hate to say it this way because I get in trouble for this one. I know I'm going to get heat, but I think it's the way Rod Woodson also conducted himself um, during the season. Buckley is, you know, not, I'm not saying Buckley did a great job either. And Buckley was outlandish in the early going of the season for sure. But I think a little bit the way Rod Woodson handled that position, especially towards the end of the year, the way his outburst, the press conferences, which you mentioned, I totally oversight on my part because there was a lot of, he was very critical of the league, um, their operation altogether. Um, and so I'm not surprised he's out, you know? So, I mean, it's just the way it is. And it's part, it's part for the course. So, so you, anytime you have a football league, the teams that end up with really bad records, uh, their head coaches uh, on thin ice. They're, you'd be lucky to make it to year two. And I, uh, coaches initially signed two-year deals. So um, so he had a year left on it, but uh, no more. Yeah, so again, mentioning Rod Woodson expected to be out with the Vegas Vipers. 
I should also mention Mike and I still collecting the scoop. Uh, there was a lot of things that went into this decision. We are still finding the facts, right? Um, there are many uh, conclusions that people will rush to. We're gathering some instant reaction now on social media. It seems like the majority of people, Mike, are not shocked. Uh, we both have a very diehard XFL fan base that watches all these games. Maybe if you hear this and you're more of a casual fan, you are shocked to hear the Hall of Fame uh, NFL Hall of Fame coach is the first one to go. Actually, one of the most interesting reactions I saw was on uh, a shared post on Instagram from XFL analysts who shared uh, our news. And Jeff Bidet comments, WTF, right at the top. What? Uh, it, right. And, and that that's that's something I want to talk about. Rod Woodson's relationship with his roster, because when this roster was assembled, Joey Clink scales, obviously, with XFL 2020. They took a different approach, it seems. They got the big names. They got the Vic Beasley. They got Martavis Bryant, Geronimo Allison, and then added Brett Hundley. So a lot of older, late 20s, early 30 veterans, and they had that that star power by name. But it never seemed like it really came together. A lot of those players that we just mentioned have had phenomenal careers, really didn't show up in this iteration of the XFL, and they were turning to guys kind of like a, a Jeff Badetta, John Lovett, um, some of the guys that did great things there. And I know Badette was hurt. But when you saw, I know you did a like early power ranking when you saw the, the rosters were put together. Uh, when you saw this roster assembled, did it give you any hope that maybe Rod Woodson's stars were able to carry him? Or did you kind of figure that this team was doomed from the start? Oh, I, I thought they would be better. You know, I was a little worried about Dwayne Taylor because he's had success uh, in FCS level, Alabama A&M. But um, I was worried about the offense clicking. And so there were some talented guys here, Jeff Bidette. We saw by the end of the season, Jalen McClendon, uh, you know, step up. You know, he maybe didn't finish the season that great, but he was very good down the stretch. He showed a lot of poise for a guy never – very little playing time in his entire career, including college. And Rod Woodson talked extensively in the press conference after the Houston game where they were, again, a lot of Vegas games coming right down to the wire there. He talked extensively about Jalen McClendon and developing him for 2024 and beyond. So, again, still gathering the facts of this situation. Sure. It seemed and like, to me he wanted to be back. Yeah, it did seem that way to me. And so I'm, I'm surprised. And like you said, we're gathering information on this, you know, several sources, including yourself, you know, uh, have reached out about this and given the information and it's still developing. We'll see where it goes. We'll see if the league announces it in a more kinder way. Maybe I'm not sure. But yeah, I can see why some players would be disappointed. Rod's a former player. He does have backing. So it's uh it's tough it, it comes a month at what were we talking about here a, yeah, a month and change after the season or thereabouts where vegas's season ended so you would expect it maybe a little bit sooner if it was coming so maybe that you know you get a little players might be a little surprised that it's coming now here, shout out to the local defenders podcast um at xflboard.com they had randy mueller on at the end of the season and randy mueller hinted that there would be some changes uh, to teams that have already been made, but that won't be announced until later. Now, I, at the time when I heard that interview, I wasn't sure if he's referring to staff changes or what team, maybe personnel changes, who knows. But, uh, you know, coaching is the first thing I thought of and uh, maybe some coaching changes. And we'll see what happens with the Dragons. They have a very good staff, very, a lot of accomplished guys there. 
But I think we got a hint that there was moves already that were going to be made. We just weren't going to find out about them until June. And so here we are. A lot of people are going to speculate that T-Buck is next in Orlando. I haven't heard anything about that. Um, I, you know, I heard that, you know, that he's liked, he's well liked within the league and well, you know, just like Rod, he players like him too. So um, we'll see how that goes, but there's no guarantees. You know, it's not even just the league deciding to move on from these coaches during this off season. And then leading in uh, into the fall and winter, a lot of these coaches on these staffs could get opportunities to go elsewhere. You know, you got the, at the end of the NFL season, you got the firing, you know, it's basically firing season, but it's also hiring season. And so a lot of staffs get let go. A lot of people get let go. I know there's been interest in Reggie Barlow, but he's looking for a head coaching spot more than being an assistant. He loves being a leader. And so for him to leave the XFL, I'm not saying he's going to, but for him to entertain that option, I think he would have to have a prominent role, but we could see a lot more changes to these staffs as we go along. This is just an issue where, you know, some guys might, some coaches might leave with family reasons. Otherwise they might find, you know, they might want to go work for a power five. There's some guys on that DC defender staff that I think should be power five uh, coaches as far as I'm concerned, or in the NFL, including their offensive line coach, several other guys. So anyhow, but um, yeah, you know, this is a developing story and we'll see what happens from here, who they hire, you know, who they target. Are they still going to be in Vegas? Like I said, I've had sources read, reach out to me that have been telling me, keep an eye on Vegas. I'm hearing things. And so I'm hoping that's the case, that they leave Vegas. Uh, I'm sorry any Vipers fans out there who hear this uh, or get upset with me, but I just don't think that market – I mean, we saw media members that disrespected the league. They, would, uh, they went on social media during their first game in Vegas and joked about leaving the game while it was in progress. Um, so that market did not embrace the league. So it wasn't a warm welcome. And so, so, uh, if you can find a market that will embrace you, like some of the other XFL markets, I think it's a win because I don't see what the upside is in Vegas. I don't think that market is clamoring for a pro football team, spring pro football team, whatever you want to label it as. And the max you can do in that stadium is, you know, eight, 9,000, whatever it is. So they did like 6,000 last year. So I don't see you're going to maximize profits in that market without lowering ticket sales and basically, you know, doing everything you can to just get more people to embrace the league, um, giving away free tickets to kids, that kind of thing. Um, I just don't see the upside in that place. I just don't think Vegas, I don't think Vegas was the right choice by the XFL. They made a mistake. So if Rod Woodson is the first XFL 2023 head coach to be out, Mike, I want to provide people some insight on maybe the process, the, the, the couple of, of changes within staff that we saw this year. I think the first one was Dwayne Taylor. Uh, that was clearly a decision by Rod Woodson. Um, we saw uh, Jamie or Jaime Elizondo in, uh, in San Antonio be relieved of his duties, but remain on staff. Uh, don't remember too many others, but provide some insight when it's a head coach and there is no team owner, there is no team GM. What is the process for somebody like Rod Woodson? Who is he having this conversation with when it comes to an evaluation of his performance? You know, I think the football ops team of the XFL holds, you know, a lot of power in this equation. Mark Ross, 
obviously Russ Brandon's the president of the league, but Mark Ross, Doug Whaley, Russ Gilio. I think it's a team effort there, making decisions there. Now, player personnel, guys, directors of player personnel might have some say in that matter too, um, depending on if they're not clicking. But I don't think they have that type of authority to just, you know, like in a GM firing a head coach, so to speak. I'm not saying that can't happen, but the way it's the way it's structured to me, um, the you know the league uh, is as a big a huge hand in these teams. So like this coaching search for Vegas, it's going to be you know the ownership together and then the football ops team working together to decide you know which candidates because they very secretly last time in this go around when they hired these coaches. Uh, that was the process was the league's football ops team reaching out, you know, Stoops wanted to come back and all that. And then of course, you know, they brought in Reggie Barlow, but they reached out and they interviewed candidates, um, for the job because it's, it's unique because it's a single entity league. There's just not individual owners for each team. So I think the Rod Woodson, you know, if, I'm not saying it's not good. It's not going to happen. It seemed, it, it seemed, you know, from everything that I'm hearing, unless there's some weird about face at the last second, everything I'm hearing, he's out. And so I think it, that decision is a league wide decision and that it's a football ops team deciding that, you know, uh, he's just not a fit and we need to move on. Yeah. And it makes you wonder maybe what Rod Woodson's reaction was. Like we said in the press conference, I mean, we had the Vegas St. Louis game. And it, it was a game for the ages. I find out I was actually there. I find out 30 minutes before kick AJ McCarron is a scratch. Um, and Nick Tiano would be starting, giving the Vipers a pretty good shot. They had the game in hand as they did many games and a fake punt touchdown, which blew the roof off of the dome really was the catalyst in them blowing that lead. We knew it wasn't going to be pretty after the game. Coach Woodson said that he will take blame for calling the fake field goal, uh, but he would not take the blame for the pass interference that was not called. Um, or actually, no, it was. It was called OPI on Mark right, Davis Bryant right. in overtime there. He was very critical of that call, a very like let him play type of thing. And that's coming from a Hall of Fame defensive back. Uh you know, they, they thought Bryant pushed off there. Then we fast forward to Houston, was also there, covered a lot of Vegas this year. And after the game, his tone changed. And I, I believe that was when they were officially eliminated from the playoffs. Um, his tone changed to that of what we do in the offseason to develop these guys, like a Jalen McClendon. Um, and he talked a lot about what – this may look like in years to come. So again, that's why I'm, I'm wondering what changed. And again, we're still collecting the facts of this story. What changed from the end of the season? Obviously a lot of people were looking for Vegas to potentially give Seattle a game there in week 10. Um, and they sort of came out flat. Uh, they didn't do much to give St. Louis a chance to make the playoffs. So do we even do do we even think there's a possibility, Mike, pure speculation that this would have been a mutual move? It's possible. I mean, the a big part of this aspect is the relationship between Joey Klink scales, 
who's a director of player personnel, longtime NFL uh, personnel guy, um, and his relationship with Rod Woodson. Now, Clink Scales and Woodson were together with the Raiders, and Clink Scales is a big reason that Jalen McClendon was in the XFL with Vegas. And I know Clink Scales pushed for McClendon. He was very impressive in practice. He pushed for McClendon to be the starter of that team because he had him with the LA Wildcats back in 2020. Clink Scales put together that Wildcats roster. So, so much so as to shut Luis Perez down. Remember what Perez said. They told me they weren't going to play me the rest of the season because you were out and McClendon was in. That's what made the Arlington move so interesting. They said, if we're not playing for the playoffs, we don't really, we want to go McClendon. And, and that was the agenda. Yeah. So you're right. You're totally right. Yeah. Yeah. And it clicks scales, you know, it's so funny for some reason he likes trading away Luis Perez. That's one of the reasons he did it twice, obviously traded Wildcats yeah. to the New York Guardians back in 2020. That's one of the reasons why I thought Vegas would be, I didn't think, you know, I, I thought DC, St. Louis and Seattle had better rosters in Vegas and they, they kind of like, it rolled snake eyes when it comes, you know, uh, ironically enough, the Vegas team in that division. That was a tough division. They went two and eight. It's the way football works. They lost a lot of close games. They could have easily went five and five. I don't know if that would have been good enough to get them in the playoffs anyway. Maybe if they're in the other division. But, um, you know, it's just the way it goes. But, um, yeah, I think the relationship between Joey Clink Scales and Rod Woodson, I'm not saying, you know, like I said, this is like you mentioned, it's a developing story. I'm not saying that that could have factored in here. Um, is Joey Clink Scales going to be back? Maybe. I, I do. I write. It's still like you said. It's still a developing story, but it's possible. Again, I really don't like getting in. I don't like being a knee jerk guy. So it's all speculation. Yeah. I, I don't tweet much. On, I don't tweet much on Twitter, so I'm like a horrible follow. Um, and I, and I, I don't like new jerk. I don't like knee jerk reactions. So I don't really like, I really like to, um, absorb something and think about it first before I, you know, before I, because oftentimes I'll change my mind uh, right. when I sit back, collect the thought, my thoughts, weigh the white and black and look into the gray areas. And then, uh, and then I'll come up with it. And then the same thing with like breaking news stories and all that. And so I, I drive myself crazy writing articles because, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, so it takes me forever to publish things because I'm constantly, uh, anyway, that's another story. That's a personal thing, but um, yeah. So when, when you look at the whole situation, I tend to stay away from speculation, but it is an interesting topic. So th those dynamics to figuring out who was involved in this change, whether it be the director, I think we're going to find that out. Like if we see some clink scales, hire somebody that has a relationship with him in the past, as far as his new head coach, or if we see clink scales out in a new, new DPP in, you got to remember like teams, like, you know, we looked at a situation like uh, Seattle, right? Randy Mueller as the DPP of the dragons, sea dragons, you know, he brought in uh, Jim Hazlitt as head coach. They both, you know, had success in the NFL, NFL executive of the year, NFL head coach of the year. And then Hazard brought in Ron Zook. And then there's relationships there throughout that staff of guys who worked under Hazard that Mueller has experience with. So I think in a perfect world, you have a setup where your DPP and your head coach are on the same page. And I'm not so sure if that's the case here. And I'm not so sure if that's the reason why we're seeing this change. Maybe there was a disconnect there as well, beyond whatever issues uh, maybe the league's front office had with Rod's performance. Yeah, and Von Hutchins and Reggie Barlow have been a perfect example of that. Uh, one last question, Mike, and then we'll get you out of here. And this is, again, instant reaction to uh, Rod Woodson out 
uh, expected to be out as the head coach of the Vegas Vipers. Uh, we talked about the longevity of Vegas as an XFL market. Uh, if you are trying to replace Rod Woodson, where do you go and how do you sell somebody knowing that this commitment might not be long-term? Because we pretty much can say it would be a mad scramble to relocate in 2024. That would be insane to try to put together unless they've been doing it behind the scenes for a long time, which haven't heard anything like in motion yet other than talks. Right. So what, what, how do you sell, you know, the potential new head coach of this franchise knowing that Vegas is a question mark. It is huge. And I think that might be where the next, you know, if we find out, I'm not saying it's going to happen people, but I'm just telling you what people are saying to me. If we find out that Vegas is out that might, and then we find out where the league is headed, that might be the hint of who the next head coach is. So a, a big factor in this, I know the XFL didn't completely lean into this, but a big factor in this, in terms of ticket sales being embraced by a specific market, it kind of helps if you have a coach who has ties to that specific market. I'm not saying that's where, so it's such an unknown. If I know, again, I'm speculating too much, but if they go to San Diego or if they go to some other market, I would think that the idea would be to hire a coach that fits that particular market. I know some people out there wanted like Steve Spurrier in Orlando or something like that. Been getting a lot of replies for that. Yeah. 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 So I, you see that and you know, with the T buck probably here's his, his his son's in the league, his son's with Arlington. Right. So yeah. So you got your first assistant. (laughs) And I mean, and there's some really good assistants within the league too, that probably would make for great head coaches for some of these teams. So maybe the XFL could laterally go, Hey, Greg Williams. I know maybe DC fans, I want to hear that AJ Smith comes to mind yeah right AJ Smith so I mean that's a possibility too I'm sure they have a list of guys that they were interested in list of coaches they were interested in and before they decided upon their final eight I heard some names uh leading in I you know I released the information of who the coaches would be um long before the league ever did and we thought so, Reggie was going to San Antonio, right? We had no yeah, idea what that was, was going initially, on. <laughs> and then so when I switch, when I reported that he was going to DC, they everybody reached out to me and said, including people who covered Reggie Barlow's career in FCS, they said, "How do you know he's going to DC?" And because I, you know, I had people tell me that he's going yeah. to the DC team, so people were surprised at that switch because the mm-hmm. media ran ran with San Antonio for Barlow. But, but again, great connection with him being at Virginia State. Absolutely. Right. So that worked out perfectly. And then so so we could see that whoever if they stay in Vegas, see, there's so many ifs involved here. It has to be a head. It has to be a head coach that has ties to Joey Kling skills. But then you jump into the next if will Joey Kling skills be back with the Vipers? Will the Vipers be the Vipers? I love that brand. So it It was a great brand with great colors and very cool. Again, fang, like, you know, they, they, they did have things that were getting us all excited. Like I said, going back to Woodson on the McAfee show, he did, he did a pretty good job selling us all Vegas and, and he had the boys excited about it. And I really thought maybe it could be different, especially when I saw the draft and, you know, you see some of the things and, and how the roster was assembled by Joey Clink Scales and Co. But then, you know, you you end up firing your OC. Um, yeah, it was just crazy. didn't seem like Woodson had the connection with his assistants that he may have wanted. 
Um, yeah, everything was late. Everything was late with Vegas. The stadium yeah. was late. Their offensive coordinator was late. Not, uh, you know, I reported Dwayne Taylor would be his offensive coordinator, but the league did not announce it for a long time. They right. allowed him. They allowed Dwayne Taylor to double dip, coach in college, and then come and join the Vipers late. So ideally, in a perfect world, you wouldn't have your offensive coordinator joining that late in the process after you've had drafts and all that. That didn't really help matters. So, um it's fascinating, you know, when you when you when you get behind the curtain and you see what's going on with some of these situations and and um, and so I, I I'm very interested to see what direction the XFL goes here because I think it's important. Um, you know, right now there there's a lot of like focus on whether the league is trying to save money, you know, trying to be uh, fiscally responsible moving forward. We know about, you know, the seasonal layoffs and that kind of thing to save costs, to cut costs during the off season. They're not doing anything to the football aspect. Although now we see one of the head coaches gone. So if they bring in, um, I don't know who big name is, but if they bring in a big name uh, or a guy, you know, like stoops ish, that has a lot of cachet to him rather than some young guy who's never been a head coach before, I think that that will show people that the XFL, if they bring in an unknown, I'm not saying it won't work with an unknown, but I think, I think some people who are negative out there will think, well, maybe they're trying to like, you know, uh, there's a budgetary move. I'm I'm not saying Rod Woodson was getting, you know, uh, a million dollar salary, but um, so there's a lot of layers to this to see where the league, what direction the XFL goes in. It's an important hire. But the thing is, I don't know if they're going to be in Vegas to begin with. I don't know who their DPP is. I think there's more coming beyond what we're hearing. You and I are hearing, you know, this is like an instant reaction to everything we're hearing right. with Rod being out. I think there's more layers to this. And I think if those layers involve a change in market, I don't think there's anything wrong with the XFL taking an L on this one and, and doing it. It won't be easy to do, but it's not like, uh, It's not like Vegas, you know, they did everything wrong on the Vegas end. You know, they they went into that market late. They had a stadium late. They can't do worse than that. So, um, so, so, I mean, like, even if they, all of a sudden they go to Columbus, Ohio or something, right. I'm not saying they're going there, but just hypothetically, (laughs) um, you know, uh, it's gotta be better than the way they handled Vegas, you know, and how, yeah, we do. uh, Right. We do want to say, if you've made it this far with us, thank you. Mike and I chopping it up about uh, Rod Woodson out. Um, so really we, we do want to say, obviously when a coach is let go and, and leaves, there's a lot of negativity surrounding that, uh, the positive message to Rod Woodson is thank you for, uh, committing a season to the XFL, committing your time and, and really trying to give players an opportunity to get to the next level. We have seen some of the Vegas Vipers that signed NFL deals, a couple of their tight ends, uh, and, and probably more to come as they had some great players on that team. Uh, again, Jeff Bidette having a reaction that seemed like he wasn't too happy about it. So so let's thank Rod Woodson and, and say thanks, Coach, for coming along. And, and you know, we, he was put into a tough situation. Uh, we do have to wrap up here pretty soon. Before for Zoom sure. cuts me off on the road. But <laughs> for yeah, sure, uh, for we'll sure Maddie. I soon, echo your sentiments. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll catch up with you soon, Mike. And um, that's that. Rod Woodson is out for Vegas. Expecting to hear a league announcement soon. Thanks for joining us tonight. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.